Welcome to BIV Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. So here's an attractive executive opportunity. Move to the lower mainland during the pandemic, be accountable to about two dozen self-interested politicians, operate a transit system on tightened budgets that everyone knows has been far too slow over the decades to develop, considering our determination to get out of the cars. Yes, that seems awfully irresistible, but Kevin Quinn, decided to do it. He's come here from the Maryland Transportation Administration, the MTA, to take on the CEO role at TransLink. He took over the role from Kevin Desmond, who returned to the United States earlier this year. He joins me now. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Uh, by the way, do you, do you have to be named Kevin to get the job now? Is that is that the thing? Seems to be uh, one of the qualifiers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. So why, why do this one? Why come here? You probably had lots of options. Uh, in the trans, uh, transportation sector. You, you came north, you came west, um, you came to a, a different place. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, a few reasons, you know. Um, so first, I'll just note that uh, the Translink has a really good reputation in the transit industry uh, from winning the uh, mm -hmm. System of the Year Award, I think, back in 2019. Uh, I think that was really big to put Translink on the map. Um, I had served on a couple of uh, conference panels with Kevin Desmond over the years and was always really impressed with the investments that were being made in the Vancouver region. Um, and also just note, you know, personally, uh, my wife, my two kids and I were uh, uh, looking to try something new and live somewhere different. And the, the kind of Pacific Northwest was always really attractive to us. I have a sister that lives in Seattle. Um, and so uh, we were excited for, for a big adventure, for sure. And you wanted to learn about the Canadian Football League as opposed to the NFL down there. That's, yeah. that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. I'm glad, glad, glad you confirmed that. Um, so <laughs> what, what have been some of your early stage adaptations, though, Kevin? Sure. So um, I guess I'll just note that uh, uh, from an adaptations perspective, you know, the, the, the Canadian kind of model is very consensus driven. Um, I think that's been uh, instructive for me to, to sort of understand uh, and, and sort of immerse myself in that philosophy. I think the American model of uh, leadership can be a little more um, uh, get right to it and make a decision and do, sort of, I don't want to say damn the consequences, but it, it can, it can uh, you know, be a little more directive. And so I, I can appreciate the Canadian model. It's, it's, been, um, it's been something I've had to adapt to, but I, I can say I think it results in um, some better decision making and certainly getting uh, a, a lot of buy-in from staff um, prior to moving forward with uh, decisions. So it's been, that's, that's been a big one for me. Yeah. What were you able to bring uh, from the MTA in the way of even the pandemic protocols that were underway? Yeah, so I think, you know, uh, similar to, uh, to TransLink, you know, MTA and a lot of other transit agencies saw significant ridership decline, you know, uh, once COVID hit and everyone's trying to figure out a way to claw back. Uh, and so, you know, in my role uh, in Maryland, I was certainly, uh, I certainly had access to a, a, a lot of other systems and, and seeing uh, what folks did, whether it was uh, cleaning protocols, changing service delivery models, uh, changing fare payment models to really adapt uh, and, and react to changing travel patterns. Um, I think I was able to bring sort of a lens and a perspective on that. It's interesting in that the U.S. Uh, has somewhat always been a few months uh, ahead of, of where Canada was, you know, with, with when the waves were hitting. And yeah. so, you know, I sort of arrived as 
uh, society was kind of opening back up uh, in the States. I think as we've seen with Delta, uh, perhaps that was a little too early. And I think, you know, the, the PHO here has taken some really good steps to try to get a, a handle on things before um, before Delta has really hit this area hard, too hard. Do, do you think that confidence, uh, safety, uh, confidence uh, has, has pretty much returned to the system? You, you mean kind of just uh, like passenger confidence in the system? Yeah, yeah I, think we're, I think we're seeing that, you, you know, um, following the pandemic, TransLink dropped about 20% of uh, normal ridership levels. It kind of last, uh, I think, August through a couple of months ago, plateaued at around 40%. And we've mm-hmm. recently seen it jump uh, to right around 50%. Uh, so we're seeing, you know, these really small incremental increases. And yeah, I, I do think that has a lot to do with confidence. I think um, we've been really getting the message out there that, you know, transit is safe to ride and, and we're doing what we can to adapt the system to those changing travel patterns, whether it's add a bit of service here, add a bit of service there. Um, uh, something that's really emerging for us is, is this issue of, uh, of overcrowding. I think that, you know, prior to COVID, there was a lot of overcrowding on the TransLink system and overcrowding uh, means something very different today uh, mm-hmm. than it did back then, as, as we've just lived through 18 months of messaging around social distancing and, and separating each other. So that's something I'm certainly uh, acutely aware of. And, you know, we're going to be attuned to these sort of nuanced differences coming out of COVID. I mean, we're, we're probably still a little bit of time away from um, the really the big heat to return to offices and workplaces and all that. There's still a fair amount of flexibility that's going to be in a system like that. But when you talk about overcrowding, I mean, it still happens. It's still going to happen. There are still rush hours even in this situation today, sure. um, how, do you, how do you think you can deal with that? I mean, you can't load on that many more buses, that many more subways, that many more Skytrains. Yeah, it's a good point. So, uh, you know, I think for our part, you know, right now we do a daily monitoring. I get, you know, for example, a weekly, uh, we get regularly reports of overcrowding conditions on certain bus routes. And we do have the ability to, to, add, uh, to add that back in. Um, uh, I think uh, another thing that we're doing is we're trying to put some of that information and some of that technology in, in people's hands. So, you know, a few weeks ago, we launched uh, this room to ride feature on the transit app. And what it does yeah. is it takes historical ridership data and shows you, you know, uh, whether it's likely sort of that the bus coming up to you will be crowded or not. I think it's going to be things like that that we do in the future, putting that sort of information around crowding data in people's hands that allows them to make a decision. You know, some people are fine getting on an overcrowded bus. They might put a mask on and say, you know what, I'm I'm good. That's enough protection for me. Some people might say, no, you know, I want a bus that has as few number of people as possible. I'm going to wait a few minutes for that bus. Um, giving people that choice and that information to allow them to make that choice. Uh, I, I think it's projects like that that, that are going to really guide our future. So we're recording this uh, the week before the return to school for yeah. university students. Um, I'm sure you heard, you must have heard many times in Maryland how, you know, the, the B line, the number 99 bus is the busiest bus in North America, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, w- what can you do there? Yeah. So, uh, you know, a few things. I, uh, I think... Um, from a, a, a PHO standpoint, you know, they've reinstated a, a mask mandate that we have put on our system. And, you know, I, I ride the system every single day. And uh, I can tell you there's, I, I think I've seen one person without a mask. It's very high compliance with, with people wearing masks. I can tell you that uh, there's lots of studies that have shown 
that there has been no uh, real transmission uh, of COVID on transit. And I can also tell you that there's been lots of studies done on airflow in bus and rail vehicles that have shown uh, that those systems, you know, we've upgraded the filters uh, and that the airflow through those vehicles is, uh, is, is really good and pretty healthy and that people should feel safe riding transit. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, windows will stay open, I imagine, for a while, yeah? Yeah, there, yeah uh, uh, as many buses as we can. I think there's a couple model years buses that I've learned that, that, uh, uh, don't, that don't have that window feature. Um, but I know that, uh, again, you know, everywhere we can, we are opening windows and we've upgraded the filters where we can and made sure that those air ventilation systems are working properly. Yeah, Let, let's um, change the channel a little bit on this one. Um, uh, you're arriving at a time when our region is really uh, beginning to come to grips much more with concepts like mobility pricing uh, in order to try to uh, accentuate the number of people that are taking the public system day by day. Um, in terms of your own vision um, for, the, for the transit system, what kind of integration do you think is possible with a mobility pricing system? Or Well, um, I don't wanna get too far ahead of, of sort of, um, where you know elected officials and municipal leaders are going to take this. I, I think for our part, um, you know, municipal pricing could could be really beneficial. Um, I, I think uh, there are some models that are out there that have been shown to be successful. I think we all know that uh, the gas tax isn't going to be around much longer. I think we all see electrification of vehicles and that we're going to need to explore some new pricing models. I, I want to be sensitive to the fact that there are some areas that right now don't have a very good transit service and that they're going to be resistant to some of those pricing models like a per kilometer type of a model. Right. Um, yeah. So I guess, you know, for my part, I, I, I want to be sensitive to sort of each municipality, each region's needs. And I want to focus on, you know, fairness and, and equity as well uh, as we look to roll those things out. Yeah. I mean, as you know, a lot of the municipal leaders are, in different, uh, you know, mindsets about what yep. can and can't happen uh, for the people. So, so I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to get the state secret out of you, but it, it, we're looking at something that is going to be a bit of a patchwork, right? It's not necessarily going to be uniform across all of the lower mainland. I, I think so. I think we're looking at a lot of different options. Uh, again, as the as the guy that's uh, that's been here a month. Uh, and trying to get the lay of the land, I think, you know, this theme of regional equity has really stuck out to me and, and being sure that we are not applying sort of a, a sledgehammer approach that we are using a scalpel. Yeah. Um, so you, you haven't probably come fully to terms yet with the governance model of TransLink. Uh, did you have something like that at the MTA? Did you have a, <laughs> that many people that were largely over you? Yeah, I, the, you know, the MTA had a had a very interesting governance model, and in that the the uh, the agency was actually part of uh, was part of state government. It was part of the executive branch of state government. So it was a very interesting um, model. Uh, that said, so you know, I, I I reported up to the governor of Maryland, but uh, the oh. the area that I served um, was uh, filled with you know uh, mayors and county executives and, and delegates and senators that all I very much felt like I reported to as well on a daily basis. And so um, if accountability is kind of the, the, the name of the game, I, I do feel like I lived that a good bit. 
you do know that they all know your job better than you'll ever know it. You know, you, <laughs> I, I have found that. Yes. Okay. Um, one thing, though, that, that is uh, clearly an issue is the, the region is is moving, of course, toward this extension um, of a subway out to University of British Columbia. Yeah. Um, but our population growth is quite substantial south of the Fraser in exactly the opposite direction toward sure. Chilliwack and Abbotsford and all that. Um, it, as, as you start, um, do you have the sense that there is enough money for both? Um, yeah, I mean, it, from what it appears to me, I mean, I think that um, our provincial partners are have really stepped up and, and I appreciate their contributions to the project. I think um, that's been tremendously helpful to advancing these. Um, that said, I, I've heard the concern loud and clear from a lot of business leaders about the growth in the region and the need for infrastructure to be able to keep up with it. Um, that's very high on my radar as we look to set out the projects, you know, for the next 10 years uh, is, is what we're doing. You know, uh, the, the recent SLS uh, announcement, the Broadway mm -hmm. subway project, in a way, is it enough? And um, I think for right now, uh, it's what we've got. Uh, we've got to do a good job of planning for the future and figuring out what that funding model is going to be for the future as well. Yeah, when you're um, when you're dealing with, um, in a sense, multiple levels of government. In this case here, um, again, you're is is that different than anything you really had to do at MTA in terms of wrangling um, what are often some competing interests. No, I think it's uh, I, I think just about anywhere you go, there's going to be. Uh, uh, this sort of tension, uh, you know, in the, the United States is a, a, um, the transportation budget and funding flows a lot out of the federal government. Uh, here, uh, there's a lot of federal money that comes down to the province and, you know, the provincial government uh, kind of in some ways is, is who you got to work with in addition to your federal partners as well. So I think, you know, for me, it's learning the nuances of kind of these regional differences. Um, but anywhere you go, there's going to be these tough conversations of you know, limited resources, especially now during COVID and working with senior government partners to, uh, you know, to make projects a reality. Yeah. In terms of your own management style, uh, Kevin, uh, you say that you're, you're writing uh, TransLink every day and all yeah. that. That, that, uh, that can often um, make the boss go, I see this and I see that and I see that and I need this done and I need that done. It, it, is that, are you, are you spotting things that you think need need some change already um sure absolutely um you know uh let's see uh, uh signage is big to me and so where i where i see signage issues I'll, I'll call that in if i see you know at some of the um skytrain platforms uh i've noticed a couple of broken glass panels some of our big panels that we have and i've called those in and learned that uh, those are very, very expensive when they get broken and take months to replace because they have to be special order and specially inserted. Wow. Uh, elevators and escalators, uh, you know, can be problematic and, and kind of finicky things. Uh, and so I think there's these kind of basics of customer experience that you've got to meet that all um, honestly add up to kind of trust and trust in the system. And it's a kind of a question that you asked before. Uh, you know, for riders to fully trust in a system, you know, you, you don't want to see broken glass. You want to see elevators that work. You want to see the buses and the trains come on time. Uh, I, I think we can sort of identify all these individual little pieces of a customer journey. Uh, for me, that all adds up to trust uh, in the system. 
And uh, I want to be sure that our riders have as much trust in the system as they can. Yeah. Um, last couple of things. Uh, first off, uh, I always ask uh, leaders, how are they taking care of themselves in all of this in a, in a new city uh, with a family trying to figure out uh, how to make your way in a, in a new community like this? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was really lucky. TransLink uh, put together kind of an employee message board uh, with suggestions for things for me and my family to do. And so I've been making my way through that board and kind of ticking things off. So I think a great way of uh, that, that I've been doing some self-care is, you know, on the weekends, my family and I are going out and exploring the, the region tremendously. We've, uh, we're big hikers. I'm a trail runner. Um, so I get out running a good bit uh, early in the morning before work. Um, my family and I go hiking and exploring, and uh, we've done quite a bit in a pretty short period of time. Uh, it's been exciting. It's a beautiful region. Uh, we're really excited to be here and be exploring it. Yeah. A very relevant question for you would be, uh, as, as a transplanted American here, um, are you now learning to pronounce the word root instead of route? I, I am. I am. I'm. I'm. I'm getting the word uh, "root" out of my vocabulary and adopt. Or no, route. Route. I, route. See, I can't even say it now. I can't. It's like it's not even there anymore. Yeah. Uh, but okay. "root" is uh, is in my vocabulary for sure. I think I heard a route earlier, but anyway, we'll. Ah. we'll <laughs> anyway, I'll get good, that. Good self policing. It's all important. Uh, but right. anyway, listen. It's it's been great uh, getting an early stage. Uh, you know of information from you about uh, what you're what you're learning and all that i hope we can keep the dialogue going and and talk to you from time to time just to get uh, some of the some of the things going and when you are of course uh, at the advocacy stage of all of this uh, we'd love to have you back and talk then that sounds great uh, really uh, enjoyed the conversation and uh, definitely let's stay in touch kevin quinn is the new ceo at translink i'm kirkland point publisher and editor-in-chief at business in vancouver thanks a lot for watching